0: Hello and welcome to an episode of the Modern Casanova Podcast with me, Troy Francis, broadcasting to you from lovely sunny London. <clears throat> I'm in uh, my apartment, it is in the morning, um, I've got to go to my corporate workplace in a bit, so happy times ahead, but um, I wanted to get this podcast. Out to you. Um, Apologies for last week. I've been pretty manic recently with various things um, pertaining to um, my content creation business, but also some other stuff happening in the background, which you will become aware of soon because the plan is to effect quite a big life change um, in the coming months which I'm working on at the moment and I think it's going to be I mean obviously from a personal point of view I think it's going to be good for me uh, because my aim is to do something that I've really wanted to do for a very long time in terms of my life and really change you know the way that my life works and obviously as I'm going through that process I want to share that with you guys because I hope that uh, it could be helpful to some other people who are in the same sort of situation as I am. Um, but more will be revealed. So all of that's kind of going on at the moment. So it's been quite manic and um, I missed the podcast last week. So I do apologize for that because the ambition is to get this out to you guys on a weekly basis. So uh, so yeah, that is certainly the ambition going forward. Anyway, uh, good to be back, good to speak with you. Um, And what I wanted to talk about this week is perhaps a slightly contentious topic, but it's one that um... I think is kind of interesting, and I wanted to really sort of fuse together two things that I'm interested in here. Um, One of them is the unfolding Brexit situation, which is going on you know, in the UK and for the UK, if you like, at the moment, and is there any lesson or is there any sort of analysis that we can pull out of that situation that would pertain to game and to pick up and girls, given that, obviously, this is the Modern Casanova podcast, that's what this podcast is all about, so is there any way that we can draw a lesson from the big political events that happen around us and sort of apply that to our personal lives, to our, you know, sex and romantic lives and, you know, perhaps to other areas of our life as well. So, bit of a contentious one because I'm aware that there is, well, I mean, look, the country at the moment is split pretty much down the middle um, of people who passionately, passionately want England, sorry, Great Britain to leave the British, uh, to leave the uh, EU, to leave the European Union. And that was reflected in the vote. So you've got half the people who really, really passionately want us to leave, want us to get out, want us to get away from the meddling of Brussels, the bureaucrats, the red tape, the politics, You know, the money, the gravy train that these MEPs are on. So there's a load of people that feel like that. And then equally, on the other side, there's a load of other people who feel really, really, really strongly that we should stay. And what they think, and I say think, but, you know, really this is borne out by most of the serious uh, economic analysis, certainly that I've seen um you've got this whole other whole group of people who really 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 want to remain they really want brexit to be stopped they want us to to remain part of the uh, european union you know they probably acknowledge that some reforms are necessary in uh, in europe but nevertheless they feel really really strongly that we should stay now i should probably reveal my hand at this point um and I realize that that may mean that I lose half the audience um, immediately, but I am on the side of the Remainers. Now, let's get into it, because I'm fully aware that in the Manosphere, and if you look even at, say, Return of Kings, which is a site that I write for, and other Manosphere websites, there's probably a general... um, leave kind of a bias, if you like, because people feel, and this was one of the big arguments for Britain leaving the EU in the first place, people feel that um, there's something kind of ballsy about England going out alone, getting back its sovereignty, uh, you know, governing itself, Cutting its ties, you know, and it was kind of linked at the time in the press and in the mainstream media as well with the whole Trump situation. It was a sense that you know uh, we're we're the, the common people, if you like, rose up against the elites. They pushed off the elites. They said, "No, we don't want to do it like that. We want to. We're not putting up with your bullshit anymore. We want to do it differently. We want to do this." And in England, in Britain, sorry. <laughs> um, It was, you know, one of the slogans of the Leave campaign was, you know, take back control. How can we as a country take back the control that we've lost uh, to this bureaucratic, red tape-filled, you know, gravy train-riding monstrosity that is the European Union? So that was their view. And, uh, you know, and that had a lot of power, and in a way... It was re- it was a kind of it was kind of echoed then with Trump with the Make America Great Again um, meme. You know this idea of you know finally listening to the forgotten work blue collar worker out in the Midwest and you know for draining the swamp of the elites, getting rid of the the interests of the bankers and you know the the the, the billionaires and so on and you know. Giving America back to the um, ordinary working guy, if you like. So that was um, widely accepted in the manosphere. That was very much, you know, with it, and and it very much resonates um, with the kind of rhetoric that we see in the manosphere. Um, you know with regularly so it, it makes sense and I don't really want to get into Trump here because that's a whole that's a whole other uh, subject area and I'll leave that to uh, you know to, to people who want to get more into that subject although I was very amused with uh, Scaramucci and um, <laughs> some of his uh, outbursts were very very um, entertaining and it's kind of a shame that he's now been fired because um, it, <laughs> it would have been quite interesting to see how It unfolded with him as the communications director. But anyway, Brexit. So, I want to remain. So, why do I want to remain? Well, okay, look. For a start, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. I, I would like to remain, you know, basically. However, you know, we had a referendum in this country. The majority voted to... Leave. It was a slim majority. It was 52% to 48%. I think when you drill down into the figures, then you see that actually, because a lot of the country didn't even vote, um, it comes out at something like 25% of the electorate actually voted to leave. And there are signs now that, as the realities of Brexit are starting to become apparent to everybody, um, people are changing their minds and they're slowly coming over to. You know, to the other side, um, but you know, nevertheless, there was a referendum, and we, as a country, voted to leave. So, okay, that should be respected, or that should be, you know, certainly, that's not something just to just to ride roughshod over. But on the other hand, do we get into a situation where, um, you know, we, it's all very well to make a decision. It's all very well to say, okay, um, this is the course of action that I'm going to take. But then where else in life do we preclude the opportunity to reverse that decision if it turns out not to have been a good idea? And this is kind of at the heart of what I want to talk about today, because it could be the case. And you know, this is open to a lot of debate and a lot of um you know, discussion and people will have different views, but it could be the case that in this instance Great Britain has made the wrong decision. And if Great Britain has made the wrong decision, shouldn't Great Britain be given the opportunity to, to rethink that decision or at least to vote on the final deal, which um you know we end up managing to hammer out with our friends in Europe which is kind of where the conversation is at the moment um, in England. So you know, <laughs> I keep saying England, I re- I, I'm i just adding to the divisions. I mean in Great Britain, of course. Um, and you know, ha- t- to what degree in life, in our personal lives, can we pull back when we've made the wrong decision? And you know, I, I think, <clears throat> here's what I think. I think on the one hand, you know we are encouraged to be alpha dominant we want to be decision makers we want to be people that you know that are proud that believe in our sovereignty that act to protect that and you know who are unwavering and masculine and dominant and all the rest of it however does there come a time when you know, you look at something that you've done. You look at a decision you've made, and you think, well, you know, actually, was that the right thing? Actually, you know, do I want to, uh, do, you know, do I want to rethink that? Do I want to modify it? And this is the other thing. So, in the case of Brexit, I mean, yes, okay, there are people who want to just stay as part of the European Union, and I think, really, in an ideal world, I would like that. And the reason for that is there are many reasons really but um i love um great britain i love being british i think you know i'm very proud to be a british english citizen i love london i think it's one of the greatest cities in the world um we have shakespeare and the beatles and the sex pistols and lots of other cool things we also have a royal family if you're into that um so there's lots and lots of really cool things about uh, england and great britain however um there are equally lots of fantastically cool things about Europe as well. Um, they've got Berlin, which is one of my favourite cities in the world. They have Paris, which is amazing. They've got Barcelona. They've got lots of bloody great weather. I mean, you know, England is a sodden little island um, in the North Sea, um, which sees about one day of sunshine a year and a lot of days of rain. If you get on a plane for an hour and a half, two hours, you're in Spain, and it's amazing, or you're in Ibiza, and there are girls walking around topless and partying to house music and drinking pina, pina coladas, and um, everyone's got a smile on their face, and they're having sex, and it's fantastic. So, um, you know, I mean, I was I was, uh, I, I was um, brought up during the period when, I think in 1992, the full sort of... Um, uh, you know, freedom to move around Europe was was introduced. So I, I was sort of, in my formative years, I was brought up as, you know, an EU citizen as much as a British citizen. And I'm, you know, I really like that. I really like that because, you know, as much as Britishness is great, um, there's great, great things about our friends on the continent as well. And of course, you know, I mean, come on, guys. We have Poland, you know, Poland is part of Europe. I mean, Poland is the game one of the game capitals of the, of the planet, you know. Um, we have Prague, we have, you know, all of these fantastic places in, in Eastern Europe as well. I mean, that's all part of this Hungary, you know, for God's sake. I mean, this is all part of this 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 unit that we're now saying we're leaving, that we're now saying we're, we're turning our back on. And, um, you know, just on an emotional level, that's kind of upsetting in a way. I mean, it's a bit disappointing because, you know, I kind of want to be... I want to be part of that, you know. I want to. I don't want to be hidebound and stuck to to, to this one particular identity. I want to be part of a a, a bigger identity. Um, and of course, you know, look. I mean, we're you know whatever happens, we're still part of Europe, if you like. We're just leaving the EU, and that's another argument. You know, we're just leaving this particular uh, you know cohesive cohesive group. Um, and okay, fine, but you know, emotionally. We are, it feels like we are turning our back on all of that fantastic stuff. And I mean, for me, that just doesn't feel like, um, it doesn't feel very forward thinking. Um, and of course it's, you know, it goes against the, uh, the march of globalization, which we've seen over the last, uh, you know, 20 years, however long it is. Um, and, of course, people will pick up on that and they'll say, well, but globalisation is, is evil. It's the, uh, you know, the elites are controlling everything. They want to do this. They want to get people here and, next, you know, destroy society and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, and, 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 you know, I don't know how anyone can say that definitively. I mean, I don't know what proof anyone's got of that. But, you know, unfortunately, whether that's the case or not, the reality is that, you know, we do live in a global world now. Um, just naturally so you know I sell books on the internet um, as part of my business and I can tell you that the vast majority of those customers are in the United States of America Um, you know then followed by by England but there's quite a big gap between you know my British customers and my American customers the American customers make up for you know the vast majority really of my of my income from books and so you know, I mean, that is that is just the nature of the modern world, that is globalisation in action. You know, I'm a British guy, I'm standing in an apartment in, in London, uh, you know, I, I've been to New York, I've been to a few places in America, but I haven't, you know, I haven't travelled America widely, and yet the biggest pool of my readers and customers, and maybe listeners here as well, um, are based there. So that's kind of just how the world is. and. Um, you know, I just—it just feels a little bit backward thinking to, for for us, for for, for Britain and Ireland, with very, very, um, you know, very little industry really anymore, um, very little power on its own um, to say, okay, let's go it, let's go it alone, let's let's just strip ourselves of all of these other, you know, people and just, um, you know, go off and make make Britain great again. It, it's a it's a it, it feels unrealistic and it feels counter to the prevailing uh you know movement of change anyway. And um you know how does that link then with our personal lives? Well, you know, for me I'm now in a process of change, as I said before, you know, I'm looking to quite radically alter the direction of my life and you know there are i suppose two key elements to a, in, in most people's lives or two certainly very significant ones which are romance and finance so on the one hand we've got our love and our sexual relationships uh you know partners and things like that if you're into that and on the other side we've got uh, finance so how do we make money how do we make a living and for me What I've realized is that I was set on a path um, from really my early 20s which has been making me increasingly unhappy over the last two decades. And actually, um, you know, always made me unhappy really. It's just that when I started, when I was sort of 20, in my early 20s and I first got into the industry that I'm in now... I felt like I didn't have much of a choice. I mean, the truth is, I probably did have a choice, really, and I I should have, there were other directions I should have pushed myself into. There were other things that I could have done, that I should have done, but I didn't. And why not? Well, because at that time, I was very young, very naive. I wasn't, I hadn't done a lot of the self-development work that I've done since, I wasn't aware as I am now, of how I could push myself. I wasn't aware of the power of hard work, of persistence, of discipline, of grit, of having goals, of having a positive mindset, of working, you know, spending time and working towards something, of marketing myself, of getting out there. I didn't have the social skills, um, you know, necessary to befriend people that could have helped me out. I mean, there were so many things that were wrong at that point in time, that I fell into a career that, you know, really, I, I never particularly liked, and fast forward nearly 20 years or whatever it is, and I still don't really like, and, you know, similarly with relationships. So, at that point, um, I had a girlfriend, and I'd met this girl, uh, in the bar that I was working, we got together, and we'd been together for four and a half, five years. So, you know, if people think I haven't had long-term relationships, that's not true. I have. Um, but they've been problematic, which is another topic for another podcast, really. But, you know, so I, I had a job. I had the job. I got together with this girl. We were living together for part of that. You know, and that is kind of the setup that people recommend, isn't it? That is the setup that society... Would say, yeah, you know, that's he's done he's done good. He's got, you know, he's he's come out of university, he's got I didn't I didn't pass at that time by the way, but that's another story. He's come out of university, you know, he's he's got this good job, in inverted commas, you know, this good, good job, and he's got this girlfriend, and yeah, he's said, you know, that is so when I was 24, 25, looking at it externally, people would look at it and go, Yeah, you know, he's said. But was I happy? No, of course I wasn't happy. You know, I was deeply, deeply unhappy. I was drinking a lot at the time and I was using other substances and, you know, it was a very, you know, nasty downward spiral. Then when I came out of that, I moved back to London and I made some changes because, you know, the the relationship finished because basically because the girl dumped me or, or rather... It was a deeply flawed relationship. The girl was um, the girl that cheated on me. I'd actually cheated on her as well. Um, You know, it it was never going to last. In the end, we broke up, and and right and so. So, with that, it was kind of, I suppose, circumstances really got me out of that one, if you like. And I mean, of course, now I'm so grateful that that didn't continue because, you know, the fact that it ended, it opened up my life so much. But, um, you know, that one I kind of got out of, it was taken from me rather than I got out of it. But um, if that hadn't have happened, I mean, what if she'd have got pregnant? You know, maybe we would have, what if we'd have had a kid? Maybe we would have stayed together. You know, we'd probably be divorced now anyway. But, you know, it it, it could have been so much, it it could have gone down that very conventional path um, on the outside, at least, that people recommend. And the way that, I'm kind of thinking about these two things, about finance and romance in your own life, and about Brexit, it is basically this. Is there a point when you can pivot? Is there a point you can say, well actually look, this seemed like a really, really good idea when I started this, but actually, <laughs> looking at it now, I think I've made a bloody massive mistake. I think what I thought was the right thing at that time is actually the wrong thing, and I need to do something else. And I think that that is absolutely fine. I would go further, actually, and I would say it's absolutely necessary. I think the height of ignorance, really, is to say, okay, right, I'm red pill now, I'm this alpha male, so, uh, you know, I make a decision and then I just carry on and go for it. Even if I die as I'm doing it, I'm still just going to do that thing because I decided. Um, I think that's the wrong approach. I think we need to be flexible. I think we need to be agile. I think we need to look at evidence. Um, you know, it's fine to make a decision. It's fine to go down a course, but then we have to think, well, okay, we have to assess it, you know, we don't just go down the course and then forget it and, you know, put, put our foot on the accelerator and take our hands off the brake and and that's it. You know, we have to assess it. We have to think, well, okay, is this course of action that I'm doing? actually getting me to a place where I want to go. And that could be the case with, um, so say with work, for example. Okay, so you might, uh, maybe you trained for a long time to get into a certain kind of career. So maybe you trained to be a graphic designer and then you move to the city and you get a job in an advertising agency as a graphic designer. And at first you're really happy because this is what you've always wanted to do. You know, Finally, you're using your talents, you're getting well paid, it's amazing. But then you know you're working in this place in New York and uh, in Manhattan, and it's you know you, you have to work sixteen hours a day. You're there till eleven o'clock at night. You know your boss is yelling at you. You know you're okay. You're making good money, but you never get to go out to spend it. Um, and you have to live out in, in you know beyond Brooklyn anyway because you can't afford the rent. And you know you never get to see your Uh, family, you don't get to see, you know, it's hard to, to date because you are working all the time and you're stressed out and everything. Now, at that point, what do you do? Do you say, well, I am an alpha male and I have made a decision to be a graphic designer in Manhattan, so I'm going to be one until I die? Or do you sit down and look at it and go, well, do you know what? I mean, it seemed like a good idea. I thought this was going to work out. It's kind of not really working out as I thought. So therefore, you know, I'm going to pivot, I'm going I'm to pull back, I'm going to leave this firm, um, I'm going to go freelance, I'm going to advertise myself on, you know, XX websites and I'm going to build up my own client list and I'm going to make it work like that. And I'm going to leave Manhattan for a while because it's too expensive, I'm going to go and live in this other place where the standard, you know, the cost of living is a lot cheaper, I'm gonna work online, remotely, and I'm gonna make, you know, I'm gonna make a go of living like that, because now, today, the internet has freed us up so we can live and work remotely, we can enjoy lower cost of living, and we can, you know, generally sort of sculpt our lives um, in a way that suits us, rather than other people. And it's the same as well with um, a relationship with a girlfriend, because, you know, you might get together with this girl, She's really hot, um, she's, she's nice, she's got a good personality. And this happened to me last year. So I got together with this girl, well, the year before, kind of. But I got together with this girl, um, <clears throat> very attractive, uh, well qualified, good job, intelligent, socially good, you know, good with my friends and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, um, you know, we ended up, um, she moved in for a bit, she, we ended up living together. And I hadn't lived with a girl really for a very long time, I sort of avoided it for various reasons, partly because I'm doing game all the time, but, um, but also because cohabiting is, is difficult, as, as we know, and that's another podcast, but she moved in for a bit, <clears throat> and, you know, I mean, in many ways, it, it, it was there were good parts of it, it wasn't all bad, um, we got on very well, you know, she was affectionate, we um, had some good times together and everything else. But it then, it, as time went on, it became apparent to me that I wasn't happy, but also that if this was to continue, if she was to continue living with me, then I was going down a route directed by her um, that was going to take me to a place I didn't necessarily want to get to, or I certainly didn't want to get to. I changes needed to be made in my life and I felt like those changes would it would be made much harder by having her with me as a girlfriend while I was trying to pivot if you like because the structure of my life you know the way that I work what I do for a living where I live all of those things had to change and it's very hard to make those those changes when you've also got a girlfriend who you know likes eating at fancy restaurants and you know Certainly, you know, wearing nice clothes and all this kind of stuff. You know, I needed to simplify and I needed to change everything, and that's kind of what I'm in the process of doing now. But you know, what if I'd have said, well, okay, I'm, uh, I'm with this girl now. I've, I've said to her she can move in. So therefore, even though I'm not happy, even though things aren't working for me, I'm going to live with her for the rest of my life because I'm an alpha male and that's the decision I've made. And I'm going to go forward until I die. With this girl living with me and you know not moving forward in my life in the way that I want. You know, well, no, of course you wouldn't do that. You would you would look at it, as I did, you would say, okay, well, certain things are working here, certain things aren't working. I think on balance, um, you know, we need to we need to change this. We need to, unfortunately, you know, we need to we need to reassess this. And that's what I did. And, you know, we ended up splitting up, and it it was um you know, it's uh, painful. I suppose is, is you know. I mean, even when you're the one who does the dumping, as I was, it's not a nice thing. You know, it's not fun. And um, as much as I've just written a book called How to Be an Asshole, and I've written about being a psychopath and all this kind of stuff, the truth is, I'm not. You know, I think I've got, I have got some of those dark, tray qualities for sure. Um, but I fall short of being psychopathic by a long way because I'm actually too empathetic. So I'm very empathetic. And even now I still feel guilt about what happened at the end of last year with that girl. Not that I, I think I did anything particularly wrong, but you know, I still have those pangs of guilt. I still have those feelings of you know of of, of discomfort when I think about it and you know, sometimes I still miss her and, and everything else. But you know, but nevertheless. The decision had to be made, and I made the decision, and I reversed a former decision. And it's the same thing, really, with my career. You know, you, you, you go down a path, and you can go down a path for many years, and then you have to look at it, and then you can, you know, if, if it's going to serve you to do so, then you should be able to reverse that decision. And what I'm coming up to say, really, and we're coming up to the half hour mark now, is with Brexit, you know, okay, the will of the people, in inverted commas, was. To leave the European Union, but the truth is, that decision was pretty uninformed. People didn't really know what the consequences were going to be. There was also a lot of misinformation and lies peddled by the Leave side of the campaign. So of course, the famous um, one was the claim, uh, or the certainly the strong assertion that there would be three hundred and fifty million pounds a week freed up that could be spent on our national health service. Um, and as things have unfolded, it's become apparent that, you know, not only was that never going to happen, but also, you know, the, the cost of in disentangling ourselves from the EU is going to be a lot higher um, than anyone thought. There's a, there's a huge, huge complexities. Um, there is funding for parts of our country that, you know, are going to disappear when we leave. Um, the... You know, bankers are leaving the the financial institutions and other companies are looking at leaving London. Uh, You know, the pound is down against the euro. I mean, there's a whole litany now of negative um, uh, manifestations which are coming about as a result of Brexit, and we haven't even left yet. I mean, this is the point. People, people can say, well, things aren't that bad, and you know um, unemployment's gone up slightly and and everything else. But the truth is, we haven't even left yet. What happens when we leave? You know, we're still part of the EU at the moment. We're still enjoying all of those benefits. When we leave, you know, all of that stops. And how's it going to look now? So I think it is okay to look at your decisions, to review them, and sometimes to change them, sometimes to reverse them. Now, should Britain do that in the case of Brexit? I would say, from the evidence that I'm seeing and from what I'm reading, we probably should. Or certainly, you know, we should look at the manner in which we leave. And there's been all this talk about soft and hard Brexit and everything. I mean, certainly, if we're going to do this, we need to do this in a way that absolutely minimises negative effects on, you know, jobs and people's livelihoods. Probably, from what everyone's saying you know the best option really would be to look to see if we can reverse article 50 remain in the EU and look at making reforms from the inside because you know we're a small island we're kind of on our own we don't really produce a lot one of our strongest industries is finance um, and that's being decimated now (laughs) as a direct result of Brexit so we've got to be realistic you know Um, and if that means re-looking at a decision that we made and potentially changing that decision, then I think that's fair enough because life, yes, is about being decisive and it's about taking a definite course of action, and sticking to it, and persistence, but equally it's got to be about pragmatism as well. It's got to be about, okay, in the real world, what effects is this going to have? Is this going to uh, you know, kill my industries off? Is this going to make me poorer? And if it is, is that really a route I want to go down? for benefits that are, um, you know, debatable to say the least. So anyway, that's where I am on it. The conversation continues. Um, I respect people with all different views. It's, 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 it's up to you what you think. Um, but I think as a country, we need to be pragmatic. And I think in our personal lives, you know, we need to be pragma- pragmatic. Also, so I hope that's made sense. Um, happy to Get into the debate about it in the comments or on Twitter or wherever. Uh, So let me know what you think. And um, yeah, I will leave it for this week. That is another episode of the Modern Casanova podcast. If you haven't already, please head over over to Amazon and buy uh, my book, my new go-book, How to Be an Arsehole. And when you've read it, if you can leave me a review and a rating on Amazon, that would be amazing. Because it really helps me to reach new readers, and to spread the word even further. Okay, that's it from me for this week. Have a great week. See you soon. Bye.